Cynic Empowerment. Last time on Cynic Empowerment. Which shows that people are able to identify their class interest within a hierarchy, right? They've been able to recognize that they are a part of what I would call a labor aristocracy, where they're, well, even though they are proletariats, they are proletariats of the first world, and they realize that their material interest has been tied into the exploitation of, of the global south. Yeah, we just, we need to go on the road. We just need to, like, be like, um... I don't know what would be your stage name. <laughs> I, I don't know. Jimmy the Horny Boy Horn. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> it's like and you just run around trying to hump things. Oh, he's me, and I'll walk around with like a ridiculous, fake, shitty French accent. It is all Jimmy Horny Boy Horn. <laughs> ho ho ho! ho, ho, ho. <laughs> I humped a thing. Yes, yes. I'll uh, I'll make a an act out of like uh, trying to smash bricks with my forehead or something. <laughs> we can make it work, man. It's gonna be great. <laughs> like what the fuck? <laughs> what the hell am I watching? That guy's humping shit, and that guy's smashing bricks on his head. This is the most entertained I've ever <laughs> been in my entire life. They should make a website. I don't <laughs> even should... care if it's a good one. They should just make it and buy the domain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and keep it forever. <laughs> They should never let it go. <laughs> Who yeah. knows when they'll be able to cash in? <laughs> Probably <Yeah>. never. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yep. Yep. <laughs> Feels bad, man. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, I haven't done my... I think we have two stories. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't we also done... have this like working class unites across India thing. This is a uh... oh wait no three stories. Okay, it makes three me stories. feel so good about myself. Does it that India had a world record setting uh, worker strike? Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Okay, I, I didn't. Well, I thought maybe it was like sarcasm. Like it makes me feel good about myself. Of like it makes you feel bad because you ain't doing nothing as good as that. Oh yeah, I I am not doing anything to contribute to that other than like talk I'm, about it peripherally. I'm contributing by um using lots lots of customer service lines and I've noticed there's an uptick of uh uh Indian people on the service lines and I treat them like as much shit as possible in hopes <laughs> that they'll strike and revolt in their home nation. <laughs> yep, yep, that's what I try to do and it apparently it got through to them. It's pretty great. This is how I'm helping the proletarian revolution uh, <laughs> by by just making uh, the working conditions of uh, customer service phone workers in India's life living hell. Mm-hmm. Well, so what was that little bit that you sent at the at seven sixteen? Was that's different? That's different. Okay, that totally comes, unrelated. That, that's coming down the pipeline. That's with the Supreme Court case. Oh God. Uh, and I don't think it's been decided on. It's December first. I think it's still in the pipe. I don't know what. You, I don't think they've made a decision yet. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It looks like you know. You know, we can choose where you want to start. We can talk about whatever. Uh, where do you want to start? What are you feeling? 
I'm feeling like Wait, we... how have we... Oh. Sorry. I, I don't know. We could talk ah. about this uh this anti-gay Hungarian guy that who got funny. caught in the 25-man orgy. <laughs> this is some classic cynic empowerment right here. Yeah, our Fox News nonetheless. Exactly. So, it's I don't know and, about this. <laughs> it's our bread and butter here. No, it's not our bread and butter. But we used to do a lot of shitty like uh, local Fox News because Fox News knows what generates clicks. A lot of our clickbaity, weird bullshit like this, old school episodes where we had mm-hmm. a lot of this and less class conscious stuff, mm-hmm. a lot of them came from Fox News. Oh, yeah, without a doubt, because they're um, they're an entertainment syndicate masquerading as a news source. Exactly. Yeah, they're they're really good at that. I used to watch uh, Fox News when I was a kid because it was interesting to watch. Like, why would why else would a kid watch fucking news? Yeah. Jeez. Got to prime them young. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I would just sit there and watch Bill O'Reilly just, like, yell at people. And I used to find it, like, really funny. You know, he would just like interrupt someone in the middle of what they were saying and just be like, no, no, you're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> like, yo, I'm going to use this when I go to school, when I talk to my friends. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And then I would go to school the next day and say the exact same stuff. And they would all be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? We're seven. <laughs> we, we're just trying to play marbles. Well, maybe if you pulled yourself up by your bootstraps. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? You know what doesn't work about communism? People are inherently greedy. <laughs> Like what the fuck are you talking about? We're what just... I've never even considered that people were inherently greedy yet. <laughs> yeah, what's well, let me greed? Plant that seed now. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Now, what does greed actually mean? What does it really mean to be selfish? I propose that we be exceptionally selfish in a an objective fashion. <laughs> is that, that is that Ayn Randian enough? Is that like it, objectivism? It, Are you just like trying to get the word objectivism and Ayn Rand in the same sentence? Ism. Well, didn't she believe in some kind of like uh, radical selfishness or something like that? Yeah, I Wasn't... thought it's literally called objectivism, but I could be wrong. Yeah, yeah, this is objectivism. It's jerk, jerk, jerkism. Ayn Rand and objectivism. Here we go. Object objectivist philosophy redirects here for objectivity. No, fuck you, ad. Okay, here we go. Objectivism <laughs> is a philosophical system developed by Russian American writer Ayn Rand. Uh, Rand first expressed objectivism in her first most uh, the fountain so boring. The fucking fountain just tell me head. what it is. It they're like it's not exactly a thing. It's more like an idea that alludes to nothing (laughs) 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 if you want to be more like Ayn Rand just be more of a dick that's all you need to do (laughs) okay wait here we go here we go here's the meat objectivism's main tenets are that reality exists independently of consciousness okay so there's reality out there independent Uh, of consciousness okay the human beings mm. have direct contact with reality through sense perceptions wait Okay, that yeah. one can attain objective knowledge from perception through the... Wait, okay, here we go. Now, that that all seems not insane yet. That just seems like there's a reality out there. We have senses. We deal with it. I mean, I think even the materialist worldview would agree with that. Like, that's, that's a pretty normal thing. There's mm-hmm. a world out there. We have senses. That's what allows us to perceive it. But in, it. It, in the first part, didn't she say that 
there is a world out there that is beyond what we can sense. Like there is Wait. this objective truth out in the well, world. Well, it hasn't said any of that yet. Okay. So far, all it said is there's a world, not some supernatural world or whatever world. It just says that there's a world that exists independently of our consciousness. That's, that's what I know. I think this is when it gets mm-hmm. weird. So where was I? Knowledge. Okay. So with reality through this process, that one can attain objective knowledge from perception through the process of concept formation and inductive logic that mm-hmm. the proper moral purpose of one's life is the pursuit of one's own happiness. There you go. There's your selfishism. It's also called rational egoism. It doesn't like, seem to be based on anything, though. Like, there's, the, no, there's no real logic there. That the only social system... It's just a bunch cons- of suppositions. ...consistent with this morality is one that displays full respect for individual rights embodied in laissez-faire capitalism. The, yeah. the, this philosophy is interlaced with laissez-faire capitalism. Yeah. No, no laissez-faire capitalism, no objectivism. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that the role of art in human life is that <laughs> displays full respect for individual rights. Wait, no, I just repeated myself. I hate it when I do that, when I read a sentence. <laughs> and I go back to the beginning. Okay, okay. Let me, let me try that again. And that the role of art in human life is to transform humans' metaphysical ideas by selective reproduction of reality into a physical form, a work of art that one can comprehend and to which one can respond. What the fuck? Yeah, respond it's a, emotionally? It's mumbo-jumbo. It's not, it doesn't mean anything. It's just like a string of random fucking things. Well, I, I understand exactly what she's trying to say. It's basically like, if you're right, you're right. And if you're not right, then you're not one of the captains of industry. So fuck you. Like, get the fuck out with all of your poorness and all of your poverty. You're not uh, seeing the world in an objective enough way. Your perceptions are wrong because there is a right thing out there, and all the people that have accurately perceived it have been are able the people to who manifest are rich their now. ideas. Wait, so is this kind of like going back to what we talked about in the previous episode of of whatever, whoever is winning right now in our current current contingent of reality, mm-hmm. are the people that are supposed to be winning? Yep. Because obviously they're the ones that can see through the matrix and make the right decisions to be extravagantly wealthy in the present. Therefore, yeah. that makes them right and everyone else is wrong. Yeah, it's a it's a meritocracy posit. Posit. Yeah. Gosh, yeah, it's like yeah. stupid. Uh, it, like, it, it, like it grants way too much um, agency to the people who happen to be successful. Um, while there are so many things in this world that are beyond any individual person's control. <laughs> right, of, like, what rich family you're born into. Or just I, the fact that, like, you're born with, like, eyesight. Uh, I, you know, or something not. like that. Right. Or not. Uh, right, because there's, there's the possibility of either one of those things. And well, the fact that you can be born with eyesight is a fantastic opportunity. What a benefit to be able yeah. to see. I I just love how quickly it went batshit insane. It went mm-hmm. from like, <laughs> all right, let's say something normal. So there's like a world out there, right? Yeah. There's a world. Mm-hmm. And we have senses like eyeballs and noses and fingers we can touch stuff with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we can use our senses to touch that world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Laissez-faire capitalism. Laissez-faire capitalism. <laughs> it turns men into wolves, Jimmy. Yeah. Laissez-faire capitalism. The only thing that matters is whether or not you're happy. Let's do some coke in the bathroom and have sex with hookers. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I feel like uh, Ayn Rand wouldn't have gotten along with Descartes. Uh, or uh, who's the who's the other person that uh, the brain in the jar was that was that Nietzsche? I don't know. I'm I'm not. I'm really not a philosopher. Like the I'm not. I, I I basically I just skipped a bunch of people and said I'm just going to read some marks and see what this fucker's on about. And uh, so you know, yeah, I can't. Yep. Uh, let's see. Thought guy. Brain brain in a vat. Yeah, what is this? Where is this supposed to? Oh, okay. So it's a modern version of the Rene Descartes argument that centers on the possibility of an evil demon that systematically deceives us based on our senses. So, like, we were talking about the like, Matrix not too long ago. Like, all these people are just being tricked. Like, how in the world does she make sense of the fact that there's just simply an objective reality? What a big assumption. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, that's a really second. Yeah, that's, a, that's like the next thing on here is there's objective reality. It doesn't get stated in the little paragraph that I read that yet. Yeah, that's one of the first things that, yeah, it's like based on what? It's like there just is. It's Why? like rule number one. There is a supposition. It's like, uh, no, that's you can't start there. That's not yeah. how philosophy works. You can't, you can't reason with that. <laughs> exactly. It's like, nope, no, nope, nope. Just accept this. And now we're going to go to rule number two. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like if you, if you were in a courtroom and you're sitting there and the lawyer's like, in my opening statement, I would like for one thing to stand. My opponent across the room is a little bitch. I end my case and just like <laughs> sits down. <laughs> like, wait, 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 wait. You can't make a case on that. I was like, nope, that's the one true thing. That's all. <laughs> you're a little bitch. And then, yeah. yeah, done. <laughs> done. I believe I've made my case, Judge. Case closed. And the judge is like bangs the gavel and he's like, Objectivism. <laughs> <laughs> objectivism. Objectivism. Uh, wait, why are we talking about objectivism? Uh, Fuck. Uh, oh, because of anti-gay Hungarian politicians on Fox News. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Okay, yes, yes, yes. Of you being Bill O'Reilly and screaming at the other kids. That's and Randy and bullshit. I got yeah. you now. All right, so the actual story we have here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly what the title says. Anti-gay Hungarian politician resigns after Brussels police bust 25-man orgy for violating cor- coronavirus rules. Because, of course, you know, it's not bad that they're having a 25-man orgy. It's, you know, that's just simple. You're breaking coronavirus code. Yeah, that's it's a numbers game. Here. Way too I'm many wonder- people in one spot. I wonder what the what the rules are in Hungar- Hungary for a number of people in a location. I don't think it actually says here in the article. Mm. Uh, which is probably the which is the least interesting thing about the article, but <laughs> we could probably assume like the ten person rule probably still applies. Yeah. Uh let's see here. Joseph Cesaria, a fifty nine year old MEP who represented Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban's ruling Fidesz party, apologized in a statement Tuesday for breaching restrictions meant to combat the spread of COVID-19, but did not com- comment on the nature of the private party and asked people to treat the matter as strictly personal to him. 
<laughs> it's very personal. I demand that you all respect me and use the utmost sensitivity when talking about this subject. Hmm. Belgian newspaper HLN and other media reported on Tuesday that police discovered about 25 men, most of them were naked, attending a sex party above a cafe not far from the Grand Place in the Belgian capital's historical center last Friday. Oh, I see right here. Belgium limits indoor gatherings to four people, and Brussels is under a 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. curfew with all bars and restaurants required to remain closed until mid-January. So that's pretty strict. Four people. Mm -hmm. four, I guess a four-man orgy wasn't going to cut it for him. Mm -mm, you need 25. 25 or bust. Or should that's I right. say 25 or don't bust? So here's the thing. Like they say at least two other diplomats, a 43-year-old and a 33-year-old, also reportedly attended the party Friday and claimed immunity. So the two Wait, other diplomats part, that's why interesting. It's why like, aren't okay, they getting dragged through the mud? Well, those men were not immediately publicly identified. Hmm. They claimed immunity because of something. I don't know. Oh, because I guess they're, they're diplomats. Like... Oh, like foreign diplomats? Oh, nice. Yeah, That's what I, I said. So. Okay, because foreign diplomats can, cl can claim immunity. Like, they can get yeah. into car wrecks and shit like that and scratch yeah. up people's cars. But as a diplomat, like, they can't be held legally accountable for whatever fucked up reason. I don't understand diplomat Man, yeah. immunity. Diplomatic immunity. That seems like the way to go. Why don't we just go become diplomats, Jimmy? I don't think it's easy. I feel like I feel like the position of diplomat is kind of like one of those fuck off son kind of positions you get. Oh it's yeah, like you're not important enough to do any of the real business, so you're going to be a wink, wink, nudge, nudge diplomat. Mm -hmm. And uh, if we need you to read some papers in front of a camera, you'll do that every once in a while. But for the most part, you're just fucking off in a foreign country. Yeah, fucking, fucking off with literally twenty-four fucking other off. guys. Uh -huh. These people literally had nothing better to do than engage in a twenty-five dude orgy. <laughs> nice. No, what do you mean nothing better to do? Is like that's that's like the what better? How better folks. could it get? Yeah, it's <laughs> like the tippy tippy top. It's like peak good. <laughs> Where do I sign? <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. How do you get involved in something like that? I mean, like, just I'm asking. I'm know. asking for a friend. I'm asking, asking for, for a friend. friend. It's just, a <laughs> just wondering if you like. Uh, do you have to like? Uh, I don't know. Find like chat rooms or something, or like you know, be in the right place at the right time. You know, like you scratch I, my back, I'll scratch yours. You know, like that yeah. Kind of I mean, I'm sure if you looked up like swinger clubs or something like that with, for whatever region you live in, you'd probably be able to find oh, something. Swinger I, clubs, I, I, you say? I'll just. Swinger clubs, gotcha, okay. I just find it impressive that there were three relatively prestigious people all in the same orgy. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Oh, Bill, I didn't know I'd see you here. How yeah. about that? Uh, how's, how's the wife and kids? <laughs> yeah. It's just, I don't know, it's just impressive. I, I mean, I wonder how many of the other people, like, because this wasn't some... Bottom of the rung swinger party is what I'm trying to get at, right? You had mm -hmm. high up officials and diplomats that were gathered there. So I'm wondering, I'd be interested to know, like, the, I don't know, identity of, like, other people. Like, what kind of their social standings in society and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. At the same time, they're all adults, you know, and they can do whatever the fuck they want. That's yeah. the flip side here. Yeah, we're we're not here to yuck anybody's yums or anything. No. Uh, but they are definitely 
being hypocrites and that's kind of what we're pointing out right like the, yep. this is people There's breaking a, the rules exactly um, and not like, only breaking the rules but like trying to enforce rules on others that they intentionally are breaking right it's to do i mean legitimately the coolest thing you could do engage in a 25 dude orgy but even still <laughs> but it's it's super not okay it's not important yeah, yeah. it's not it's not, it's not like necessary make or break the well-being of society you don't really need to do that kind of stuff the um yeah it kind of reminds me of all the mayors and governors that were caught having 20 people thanksgivings and stuff like that after enforcing strict um coronavirus mm-hmm. rules for the holiday yeah like uh yeah. cuomo you know he was talking what was funny is cuomo had a press conference where he was, uh, you know, televised talking about how, oh, my mom, she's getting so old, boo-hoo-hoo-hoo, but I love her, that's why I'm not going to see her for Thanksgiving. And the next day he was on a radio show, and they asked him what his plans for Thanksgiving, and he was like, oh, my mom and my sister and their kids are all coming up, we're all going to get together. What an idiot. (laughs) it's like oh you forgot your lie you forgot (laughs) oh so sad (laughs) that happened really fast (laughs) (laughs) oh man good shit well this guy is uh is being held accountable that's pretty cool um hmm uh Cesarja, I have no idea how to pronounce this dude's name, denied using drugs at the party and said police found a single ecstasy pill, just one, that wasn't his, and that he offered to take an on-the-spot drug test, which police declined. Oh, he offered <laughs> to take the single ecstasy pill on the spot. Oh, it- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not my pill, but I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll get rid of that for you. <laughs> we don't want that falling into the wrong hands. Oh, man. <laughs> God damn it. Man, all the ecstasy's going to the, the fucking <laughs> hypocrite orgy guys. <laughs> yeah, bastards. I, uh, here we go. We got a statement from Cesar. Sure, sure. I deeply re- regret violating the COVID restrictions. It was irresponsible on my part. I am ready to pay the fine that occurs. With my resignation on Sunday, I drew the political and personal consequences. Cesar, sure, 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 wrote in his statement. <laughs> I apologize to my family, to my colleagues, to my voters. I asked them to evaluate my misstep against a background of 30 years of devoted and hard work. The misstep is strictly personal. I am the one who owns the responsibility for it. And he's thinking in the back of his mind, like, worth it. Totally worth it. <laughs> yeah, It's all totally <laughs> worth it. Yeah. Fuck all these Christian values and all this... <laughs> Yeah, uh, and the uh, um, let's see. Well, yeah, because I think critic of yeah, liberal I mean, political culture, Western Europe. Yeah. Well, so Great. he worked for Orban, who's like uh, uh, maybe legitimately a fascist, like a far right, uh, one of these kind of demagogue figures, and he was um, part of his administration. St- so, uh, like what I said in the beginning, Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban's uh, ruling Fidesz's party. Mm-hmm. so yeah President i mean i'm sure he, he i'm sure like so that's why yeah this is it's not 
it's not necessarily explicitly funny that he engaged in a giant orgy of gay sex. It's funny that he engaged in a giant orgy of gay sex while being a part of this reactionary uh, anti-gay, you know, party Mm -hmm. and being outwardly anti-gay. Hmm. Mm-mm-mm. So that's why it's funny, because it's like, hey, wait a second, this guy, uh, this guy's a liar. Yeah, national conservatism, social conservatism, soft Euro skepticism, anti-immigration, right-wing populism, Christian democracy, and economic nationalism. It sounds pretty fascist to me. Yeah, he's no good. Yikes, man! If they he, they really control the country. And, How about that? And it also doesn't help. He has he has uh, Nazi glasses, you know, like the little tiny circles. Oh, yeah. the little it, like, if he made his picture black and white, you'd be like, "Oh, that guy's a fucking Nazi." But you know that Fox News picked the the most incriminating photo they could find. Like, it's not flattering yeah. in the least. I don't no. know what he's doing with the sideburns, but he definitely needs to cut them all the way off. Why has he got them faded out so much in the top of his head? He's definitely going bald there, and 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 then just like this whole like matching patterns with patterns. I don't think so, man. He's it's trying like, to make it work. His fashion's uh, he's, he's all out of whack. And he kind of looks like he's like um, he's about to ask Charlie for the recipe to the everlasting gobstopper. <laughs> oh, what's his nuts? What's that guy's name? Yeah, Slugworth. There you go, Slugworth. Yeah, he does have a Slugworth vibe to him. Yeah. One everlasting gobstopper. Speaking of Nazis, we've got <laughs> our next story here. Prominent anti-Trump attorney asked the Supreme Court to let companies off the hook for child slavery. This one's mm. a fun one. This one's really fun. So, <laughs> uh, feel good story. It's a feel good story. Okay, so this guy has some galaxy brain logic here of how he's trying to get off with this whole thing. So basically, to run to give the rundown of what's going on here, is there are five children that were uh uh chocolate harvesting slaves right <laughs> that are now <laughs> well, why would you laugh <laughs> because we did a skit on it everybody go check out our chocolate skit <laughs> oh, what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> I, the, it's a, a, a feckless grab that wasn't the funny part <laughs> <laughs> it was like, you were like child slave <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> What the fuck? Anyways, okay. So Who am I doing this podcast with? Holy shit. <laughs> so, <laughs> God damn it. No, I'm laughing. Okay, so they're <laughs> raising a lawsuit against Nestle for putting them in the position of being uh, forced into child slavery to harvest uh, cocoa for this company because this company doesn't do... Uh, it either... You could at best say negligence in their supply lines. At worst case, um, reward and encourage in order to procure cheap cocoa uh, within their supply lines. And so uh, this this guy, uh, Cat Y'all, I'm assuming that's how it's pronounced. Five kids, child slaves. Not funny. They have they're trying to uh, sue Nestle for the predicament that they're in. And this is a very specific kind of lawsuit called an alien tort statute. Um, and so what it allows, uh, bah, 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 basically allows foreigners to um, sue American uh, corporations, right? Uh, for things that they do that's shitty. Hmm. 
Um, that's like its whole its whole thing. Uh, and apparently, uh, two years ago, in a f- five by four vote, the conservatives granted foreign corporations immunity from ATS lawsuits or alien tort statutes. Uh, well, in this case, this isn't a uh, foreign corporation, though, because Nestle is a domestic corporation. So that doesn't apply here, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm just going to read this big block here of uh, basically of what uh, Cat Y'all is trying to use in his defense in this case against Nestle because he's oh, defending wait. Nestle here. Let me let me let me be one. Let me let me be one of the two of them. Wait. Oh wait, no, I haven't gone to that part yet. This you're not, is this you're not is about before to read part. off that block. No, I'm not going to read off that block yet. This is, this leads up to that because this is the foundation that leads to that block. Okay. This is why that person had to say the things. It's because of what he says here first. We're going to do a good old script read. We're looking to the script read in a second. That's a good idea. So, Cat, um, y'all argue that allowing corporate liability would place U.S. firms at a competitive disadvantage compared to companies in countries with a law similar to the ATS. And he argued that liability would discourage foreign investment in the United States by foreign firms concerned mm-hmm. about triggering expansive ATS liability. <laughs> Kat, y'all also claim that the international community does not support holding corporations responsible for violations of international law. For support, he pointed out that the Nuremberg prosecutors <laughs> declined to prosecute the firm that supplied Zyklon B gas, Bayer, <coughs> Bayer, which the Nazis used to kill millions. The dude dug back to the Nuremberg trials and used the fact that the company that produced Zyklon B, that they used the gas Jews, that that company to get held accountable. Therefore, this case, child slavery, A-OK. <laughs> when your defense yeah. is using Nuremberg trials like Zyklon B producer defense, I think you've already lost your fucking case, mate. Hmm. Well, I think that that's probably what they were saying. Like, that's probably what Katchal was saying whenever Gorsuch has that, like, little smirky grin on his face he's like "Mm, too true too true can't blame bayer bayer's awesome i love bayer bayer has lots of money bayer's a good company i like nestle too nestle and cargill they're all fantastic they're big companies fucking objective pieces of shit (laughs) yeah no it's terrible but um but wait where's the where's the block we're gonna do the talking back and forth you wanted to do are you talking about the one in which uh, Elena Kagan is talking with. Uh, oh yeah, do you want to be Kagan or Cat Cat or Cat Y'all? Is it Cat Y'all or Cat Y'all? Uh, I think Cat Y'all. <laughs> I think it's Cat Y'all. I'd say it's Cat Y'all. Cat Y'all. Yeah, like that. Okay, so <clears throat> who are you gonna be? I want to. I want to be Kagan. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> this one's pretty funny. This one. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. So Kagan and the Supreme Court like hears this and they're like, "What the fuck?" And they're like, "Okay, okay, okay. Let's try to make some sense so, of this." And I gotta so here be we honest. Go. Uh, I've I've never heard um, Elena Kagan actually like say something before. Like, oh, yeah, I've never I have no heard idea. her audio. So I'm going to um, I'm going to use a artistic license in trying to replicate it the best way that I I know how. Okay. Okay. Um, so <clears throat> here we go. Um, I believe 
have that no corporation can never be sued under the ATS's absolute bullshit, Mr. Cajal. Wait, is that, is that the, that's not your line? That's what it says right here. That's what it says. Later drilled down on Cat Yell's theory that no corporation could ever be sued under the ATS. I'm drilling down on you. You're full of shit. Okay. Oh, so then I got to ask you another question. I must ask you, Mr. Catchall, if a former child slave could sue an individual slaveholder under the law, hmm, is this possible? Yes. <laughs> so then... If a former child slave could sue ten slave hunters over the law, is that is that also true? Would that be a possibility? Hmm? Yes. <laughs> to my final question, if those ten slaveholders form a corporation, if you will, um, could that former child slave then sue it? Hmm? Is it possible? Hmm? No. Why? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not. How does that make any sense? <laughs> it says it. It says it right there. Cake, it says it. How does that make any sense? It says a corporation of slaveholders would be immune because there is no specific norm of liability under international law. So yeah, okay. Yeah, so this. Specific norm this, under yeah, international so law. The rest of this just gets really shitty and will take a lot of time to parse through. But, like, basically it goes into, like, this classic, uh, like, law makes me so mad sometimes because they'll just try to pull out some random thing that happened in the 1700s and use that as a justification to do some really shitty shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They'll be like, oh, well, we don't have any examples, you know. Which is what his case here. We don't have any examples of this happening before. Therefore, it can never, ever, ever, ever happen in the future, ever. You can make a precedent right fucking now. You could definitely make history in this courtroom today. Yeah. Hey, look, it's not okay to um, not hold people who are benefiting off of slave labor accountable. So, therefore, perhaps we should change this, um, what did you call it, an international, what was it, something tort? Um, something, ATS, something. Alien Tort Statute. It was an Alien Tort Statute. It's just a kind of stat of I don't know lawsuit or whatever you want to call it. They're raising against Nestle. It just means that there's. It just means that the kids are foreigners. They're not uh, American citizens that are suing, trying to sue Nestle. That's all it means. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I just I just found it outrageous. And what's funny too is this guy used to work in the Obama administration, this catch all guy that's like now trying to use Nuremberg trial to fucking um defend whatchamacallit, the goddamn like child slavery. So this guy is literally like his he's being paid to defend child slavery. There's no other way to paint it paint it. Nestle is literally being sued for child slavery. It's this guy's job to get them off for it. But um, I'm reading here, Cat uh, uh, Y'all, blah, 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 blah. He succeeded Alina Kagan, which is interesting enough because we just read Kagan's stuff, as being the acting solicitor general in the Obama administration, which I don't really know what the fuck an acting solicitor general does, but that's what he did. An acting solicitor general. Well, uh, okay, well, I can click it. Solicitor General, we're clicking it, Tim. Tim wants to dig in. A Solicitor General of the United States is the fourth highest ranking official in the United States. Did not know that. 
of Department of Justice, not the fourth highest ranking of the United States, you fucking idiot. There's another <laughs> line there that says Department of Justice. It's the next line. If you kept reading, Jimmy, you sack of shit. <laughs> it's pretty important, though. It's a very important person. Yeah, so he was a very important person under the Obama administration. And he, uh, I don't know, from just like reading little snippets, I've gathered that he's been very critical of the Trump administration. Hmm. Um, and now he's spending his free time defending child slavery. So, you know, good dude. Yeah. That's one of the most confusing things about Democrats and uh, why they confused little Timmy once upon a time. I was like, oh, yeah, maybe they're because they're not like conservatives. They must be good. But right. it turns out that they're just shitty in a different way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. It took me a while, too. You know, it's like mm-hmm. uh, it, it, uh, Republicans being bad doesn't make Democrats good. It's mm-hmm. easy to make that assumption. Yeah. Right. But. Uh, yeah, there was always like two shitty kids that would fight with each other in your grade school, right? Like they were these two like hot-headed little little kiddos that just couldn't stand to be wrong or had like giant egos, despite the fact that they were both like ten years old. And it doesn't mean that just because one of them took the other one's fucking pencil box and the other one punched him in the eye, that one of those two is justified as a result of it, right? They're just at odds with one another. Yep. Democrats are at odds with the Republicans, even though they're pretty much the same little kid. Yeah. Punching each other in the eye because they stole their pencil box. Or whatever what's else. The, what's the pencil box in this analogy? Uh, I don't know. It was it was a poorly constructed analogy on the spot. That's okay. Yeah. Um, I guess the... Let's see. It would be more like... Uh... uh. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like an example in grade school that would be analogous to slave labor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's hard to find that one for one. Well, maybe that's why they're having such a hard time, Jimmy. It's like Catchall's just like, you know, I never experienced this when I was in grade school. You know, there's that's that's how I base all of my legal precedent. Just you know what happened at the at the lunchroom table. <laughs> like he's just continually living his life in middle school again and again. <laughs> right. What would little ten year ten year old Jimmy do? Hmm. Hmm. I wonder what he would do in this situation. Would would he compare Bayer to Nestle? Would would is that what he would do? Is that what you'd do, little Jimmy? Would you do, do just what? that? Would you would you compare Bayer to Nestle? Would that would that be exactly how you'd go about that? Doing what? How would you argue against this case, man? Like let let's hear it. What's your what's your best argument? I'm not a lawyer, dude. You can't... That's the thing that's, like, fucked up about this shit. Is mm-hmm. on the face, it's wrong. You don't have to have a fucking law degree to know that it's fucking wrong to <laughs> use child labor, right? The fact that people think you need a law degree to make a decision on this case is why our entire system... It's one of the many reasons why our entire system is so fucked up. And the mm-hmm. fact that these guys have to dig through... Over 300 years of fucking law to try to find an example of why they should decide one way or the other is cockamamie horseshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really uh, is. you have to find a case that's exactly like it to say, well, this one time in 1832, there was a railroad and the railroad ran over some Chinese guys and we decided to do, to not give the Chinese government any money. Therefore, we don't have to give any money here. Ta-da! 
How come you can't just immediately dismiss precedent as also being ridiculous? Why is it that we're going to trust the opinions of some court of old? Exactly. It, it would seem like that would be less legitimate than what we'd be able to produce today. Right. Uh, yeah, it would be. It'd be all like uh, about as as ridiculous. Uh, it'd be almost as ridiculous as pulling out the Bible and just being like, "Well, you see, mm-hmm. you know, Abraham. He said that God's words the law." And well, uh, <laughs> almost almost as bad. I, I think it's like pulling out like a, an old history book and being yeah. like, "Well, you know, like this this king went and conquered this tribe that was across this particular border, so therefore it's okay for us to do that." Like, no, obviously it's not okay for us to do that because in this day and age, we're able to see what type of negative repercussions occurred when yeah. that king did that bad thing. So we regard it as bad because of. The consequences, just like if Bayer hadn't produced Zyklon B, right? I I I don't I don't necessarily know where I'm going with that thought chain. I Go on. Maybe the less Jews would have died. I don't know. I'm I'm thinking they probably would have tried to do it a different way. Um, yeah. But they gave them the means to do it. Um, so based on that precedent, though, I think you could also say. You could maybe hold gun manufacturers responsible for deaths that were, you know, you know, murders that were committed with their firearms, right? Mm-hmm. Is it different? I'll think about it. Okay. I don't. It it seems somewhat similar because you have a degree of culpability by giving someone the means to be able to produce harm, right? Uh, I guess what the explicit difference is in this case is that even though Bayer is giving the Nazis the ability to be able to kill people with um, a certain particular type of of mechanism. It doesn't necessarily prevent Nazis from killing those people anyway or using a different method in order to do it. Um, and likewise, when it comes to Nestle, I think the difference being that Nestle is not going to get that chocolate in any other way. <laughs> yeah, It's kind of like – it would be like saying it's like, uh, um, well, every time Nestle produces a candy bar, they're, they're, uh, um, they're using slave labor in order to do it. Um, so therefore, like what is, yeah. what is the Zyklon B specific product of slave labor? Well, it's free well, the, labor. Well, the thing is though, with the Zyklon B analogy, it's like, well, what else do you use Zyklon B for besides killing people? It's like, uh, <laughs> you use it for a pesticide, <laughs> don't you? Oh yeah. I, I think it might've been, yeah, you're probably right. Zyklon B. It's not the first time we've looked that up. Oh man, uh, it is hydrogen cyanide. Oh my god! Thank God for the cool. Yeah, it's a pesticide. Cyanide pesticide. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, fair. Jeez. Use it. Well, but it does sound like it was. I mean, pretty apparently. Yeah. Used no. to murder approximately one point one yeah. million people. Yeah, no, the, yeah, Bear was conscientious of the fact that they were explicitly selling it for a profit and was going to be used in harm. I think they even helped with, like, the 
the planning of some of the concentration camps. Like it wasn't just like, oh, shucks, we thought you guys were going to make some farms and you went and killed some folks. Like it was a, it was a known thing. Well, Bayer is a German company, isn't it? Yeah. It's, so, yeah, Bayer wasn't the only one. So like there was a bunch, there was a handful of companies that helped in the, uh, of uh, pharmaceutical companies that helped in the, the manufacturing of concentration camps. But it, but then as time goes on, you know, there's less and less companies and more and more monopolies. But I think one of like the few companies that still exists today, um, Bayer being one of them, is, mm-hmm. was responsible for it. Ew. Uh, imagine that kind of boardroom meeting where it's like, okay, well, I've gathered you all here today for a proposition of a lifetime. This is an opportunity that will never rise again. So... So I haven't even told you what I'm selling. I want it. You want it? Okay, it's a concentration camp. It's a concentration camp. You already said yes, so I got your name down right here, and I heard your verbal confirmation. So How much money? Uh, Well, I mean, it's technically free as long as you help us murder 1.1 million. Okay. I didn't even get to finish how many people that you're going to help us murder. So I guess that's, care. A, that's, a blank, that's a blank murder check right there. I can basically do whatever I want, and... uh and Bayer is responsible. And they're like, nope, definitely not responsible. As you can see later on, this will become precedent in order to defend slave labor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I don't. I, I just don't know how you, like, wait. I don't know how you wake up in the morning <laughs> mm-hmm. knowing that your sole existence in life is to defend uh, child labor on the basis that it would just dis- it would cause market disruptions. I think that was his original um, defense before kicking it into high gear and bringing out the Nuremberg defense. Yeah. Because like, that he knows we, that first America one, like, wouldn't be able to compete on the world stage if yeah. we didn't have child labor. It's like, well, then maybe we shouldn't be competing. <laughs> Yeah, that's the whole. That's why he immediately pivoted away from that because if his whole argument is we're not going to be able to keep up with the big guns of other countries, you know, big guns being if we're not going to exploit these small, small children, someone else will. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) somebody else will use those types of things, and we want to make sure that we get there first and exploit the fuck out of them so that we can have chocolate. What is what does Cargill produce? Is is, let's see, Cargill. Probably chocolate. I think they. Oh, they, I, I've seen this before. They're they're one of the. There's a, a huge food company. Oh, they're the ones that distribute. Oh, okay, one of the handful of like for cafeterias and mm-hmm. restaurants and shit. It's the fifteenth largest company. Yeah. Do 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 do. Pretty bad. Uh, so purchasing and distributing grain, agricultural commodities, palm oil. Energy, steel, transport, livestock. There's some big ones. Everything. Yeah. Reports revenues of one point oh, sorry, hundred and fourteen billion dollars. I've seen bigger. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh seems I don't like wake they're up doing really well. I see a lot of green triangles. So you know you're doing good. Yeah. The uh speaking of biggest <laughs> the uh working class in uh India unite for the largest labor strike of uh human history, to my knowledge, of two hundred and fifty million people. 
That's ridiculous. Two hundred, like the the uh, not. I mean, I would say almost the population. We'll let's we'll say close, approximate, around, uh, less than, but a large portion of almost the United States population, less than a mm-hmm. hundred million. It's still a lot. It, it's it's a shit ton of people, man. It's a lot of people. Uh, yeah, and yeah, they they broke the world record. That's fantastic. Uh, so what I don't like about this article is that it's extremely short. There's so little information here. I have so many questions. Like, first of all, how did all these people organize? I feel like there is oh, an important key. Yeah. It, does it say it tells us? Yeah, there's uh ten federations. I think they're called. Wait, yeah, ten of I... India's labor federations took part, uniting under a joint platform. But what's the yeah. joint platform? Like, how did they? How did they get? No. Where Where does the communication come from? Like, how did they know that they were all going on strike at the same time? And if they were all going on strike at the same, well, they time, have a history of this. They've done this before. Yeah, um, and some some uh, apparently some industries observed a one hundred percent strike. That's I, I can't even comprehend that as an American. Yeah. As someone in the United States, like, there's always a scab. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, that's what unemployment's for, right? Yeah, it's to provide it's, us it's with the reserve labor insurance. force. Mm-hmm. And that reserve you, labor force oh is gosh. what scares us all into complacency and, and servitude. Have you ever listened to Pete Seeger? Um, maybe. Pete. It, he's good. He's like, uh, he was a communist organizer and folk singer. But he's got this one song. I can't remember what it's called, but it's it's fire. It is on fleek. He uh, oh, forever young. <laughs> no, there was one where uh, basically I was talking about this guy who was a scab, right? And he died on the job, and then he went to heaven, and then he started scabbing on the angels who were having a strike in heaven and then so the angels sent him to hell and I'll, and that's basically the song is it called uh, is it casey jones the union scab it might be i don't know he, half his songs it. are about unions and scabbing so there's a there's a chance there's a high chance that that is the right song but there's an equally mm-hmm. high chance it's one of the bajillion songs he has about unions and scabbing yeah, um, I bet that's it. I'm, I'm gonna give it a listen. <laughs> yeah, give it a listen. It's fun. He's got a lot of fun songs of just okay. like talking about people being pieces of shit for scabbing, and then talking about how <laughs> unions are like the shit, and and like go tell your boss to fuck off because you got a union. You're a strong boy, uh, or a strong lady. Also, talk. Yeah, he has like a song singing about how like if you're you know if you're a union man, go get you a union wife. You know. Mm-hmm. and stuff it's good it's good stuff anyways it just it just quality talking about entertainment. quality entertainment it makes uh <laughs> let's <laughs> let's keep looking at this so apparently they were protesting a farm bill which we also have farm bills in the united states and they're also some yeah. of the most corrupt fucking shit i remember hearing about a lot of those um when uh we were going to ye old berea town mm-hmm. uh, well it's a- it's sorry you there's a big farm bill that was being passed. Um, let's see. Is it is it every well, so, four years? Are you talking about the United States? Mm-hmm. Uh, probably. Okay, wouldn't surprise me. Um, and they're just like these massive bills that are packed with all kinds of budgets. Um, yeah. From from all over the place. Like it's not explicitly like foodstuffs either. It's like or you know not explicitly agriculture. Um, 
but uh, obviously they were protesting uh, a new pro-corporate agribusiness farm bill. Um, but even even so, it mentions that the farmers were in full solidarity with the workers, and that's really all you need. Um, yeah, that's that's really workers all you and need. the farmers. Like you don't you don't yeah. have your your industry workers sure like if you're producing something in any given economy and you go on strike you're probably gonna hurt that industry you're probably going to make it known that you're the one that's actually producing something and that's good but there are very few positions in our world that are as apparently important as farmers people who yeah. literally produce food so if you stop producing food that's extremely scary really quickly. Especially if you can do it in mass. Yeah. Yeah, you do it in mass. Um man. Um that that's that's a way to terrorize an establishment. Well, and it's good too because like it's not explicitly just the farm bill. So the the labor federations they had their demands for um increasing austerity and shitty shit by the um the the Modi government and then you know, the farmers had their issues with the farm bill and they united at the same time. They have their united goals of things they wanted. So, uh, what we have here, the Labor Federation's joint platform put forth demands for a minimum income food for poor families, a guaranteed number of workdays, higher wages, pensions for everyone, and an end of forced early retirements. It called for the government to stop privatizations and also withdraw all anti-farmer laws and anti-worker labor codes. Anti-farmer laws. But when it says anti-farmer laws, I'm I'm assuming it just means laws that aren't good for farmers. Farmers are yeah. against the interest of farmers. Mm-hmm. Not like <laughs> no farmers in town after sunset. <laughs> it's after hours. Yeah, there's a specific curfew on your kind. Yeah, I'm one think of those producers of foodstuffs. Get out of here! Yeah, uh, yeah. Anti anti farmer. Um, anything that would keep them in a position of oppression and indentured servitude, uh, intended to force them to continue to produce things uh, in mm-hmm. um, non sustainable supply chains. Yep. Hmm. Probably some of that. Probably a little Hello? bit of that. Hello. Oh, you 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 cut out in a second for a second there. Probably a little bit of that. Oh, okay. <sighs> yep. Uh, and we also have. Uh, so I mentioned that we had a couple of industries that that observed the hundred percent strike. Uh, one of which was yep. rural postal workers, which I feel like it's pretty easy for them to just be like, "I'm just not going to deliver the mail today." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm the one mailman for this village, and uh, you can go fuck yourself. Yep, and that's a hundred percent baby <laughs> yeah boom <laughs> got him <laughs> no mail today um uh, please please my medicine comes in the mail sorry bitch yeah. bye <laughs> out of luck see how important i am <laughs> yeah no no it's serious i'll die if i don't take my heart medicine sounds like i should have voted better in the last election to me bye bye oh, i'm just kidding <laughs> bam <laughs> <laughs> uh so uh the devil's advocate thing uh there's uh, something that's mentioned up earlier in here uh let's see let's see 
where is it? They actually explicitly say it, which we know that if we're on workers.org, that this is, you know, wanting to present the story in a very positive light. I understand that. Um, I swear to God, the things that they're protesting, there was actually a a little bit in there that that discussed. um, uh, uh, Ah, here we are. the provision of safety measures to stop the spread of COVID was a key issue as India has the second highest coronavirus infection rate in the world. I feel like yes. that that little tidbit comes across as making the workers who are obviously protesting without masks on, at least in this particular picture, in very close proximity to one another in a way that was conducive to the spread of more coronavirus. Kind of like what a lot of people were saying about the Black Lives Matter protests. You know, like one of the reasons why they shouldn't be banding together and organizing, at least in a physical sense, was because they were spreading coronavirus. Yeah, they probably should be wearing masks, but that's all I got. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, yeah, it just doesn't seem to be the best way to protest something like that. Provision of safety measures. Yeah, that's probably the worst way to do it. Um, Wait, uh, the fact that right, it's like we're protesting because there's not enough safety measures to keep us safe, and then you have a bunch of people that are stacked on top of each other in a busy street. In this picture we're looking at here, now that that might be um, no wearing mask, you know, a a solid argument. But I I did hear that used uh, as ammunition against the Black Lives Matter movement, which were not explicitly. Um, protesting the safety regulations um, uh, revolving around the coronavirus uh, pandemic. So right. I think that that was kind of more of like, I'm trying to point out hypocrisy where there was none. Like people obviously had different priorities in mind. Um, right. You know, ending ending police brutality or, or you know, uh, keeping their life in the light of a police interaction was far more valuable to them than ensuring that they were following safety protocols. I don't know if I can necessarily blame them for that. Were they being as safe as they possibly could, you know, not communicating the virus to others? Probably not, but Hey, you win some, you lose some. I don't know. I, I, I like the term scabbing. That's just like, that is yeah. uh, delightfully disgusting. Yeah. You piece of shit. You scabby piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's so derogatory. It's appropriately derogatory. Oh, okay. yeah. No. Yeah, that's nothing worse than a scab, man. Mm-hmm. It's pretty bad. Um, I mean, like, I get it. You know, people got to eat. People got to eat. People going to scab. But if you do it, you're still a piece of shit. Well, I feel like that's a that's one of those things that the American propaganda machine want to pump into you as hard as they can. That anyone who's in the reserve labor force can immediately become a scab, aka a hard worker that's willing to take up the mantle of responsibility in case that lazy ass people are going to go on strike. So, the word, the, yeah, you know, get it, get in there and get yours. Yeah. It's like, oh, look, these lazy assholes. And the worst part, too, is they usually pay scabs a lot better than they do the regular workers. Yeah, uh, as a way to incentivize that they're not going to also just start striking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's all fucked up. Yeah. 
It's like, wow, you you've just perfectly shown you could raise these people's wages, but instead you would rather temporarily increase wages to pay mm-hmm. some scabs and then go right back to treating people like shit and fucking worthless fuckers. Uh yeah, it's it's amazing how hard people are willing to fight uh against something that's not even marginally fair. Um like in 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 terms of like these boardroom officials that are sitting around wondering how much they ought to pay the average worker in a in a company uh and they see these these like fantastic disproportionate amounts between the amount that the person is making for the company and the amount that they're paying them and yet even so when somebody comes up it's like hey can i like get a raise they're like fuck you like you got you got no ability to be able to ask for something like that um sorry it well it reminds me of uh there's like a there's a quippy phrase that i've come to find a little bit of disdain for um when trying to uh determine value of an item uh and i'm sure you've heard it before it's it's usually from these like these old like free market like hard worker types it's like the value of something is whatever somebody's willing to pay for it (laughs) you you ever heard that yeah, uh, and that—that's just the idea that the value is vested with. That—that's just kind of like um, supply and demand. That's just supply and demand turned into a quippy little phrase. Yeah, well, it, and it's a—it's a a very—it's an oversimplified and bastardized version of supply and demand. Like it—it mm-hmm. it, it assumes that. Um, well, it, it assumes that in all instances. Um, you know, value is this, and value very much is this kind of like, um, this like shifting thing when it comes to a good many commodities, but it's not shifting in accordance with all of the resources and substances and times and labors that ultimately go into a product. You know, those, those things have, um, measurable costs associated with them in order to determine their value. But as far as like, I don't know, um, I mean, it might ring true for something like memorabilia, you know, some kind of like, collector's item but it doesn't ring true with everything else like mm-hmm. in, in that case it's like oh well you know it's 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 a circle logic right so the value yep. of something is what somebody's willing to pay for is like well how would you know what the value is if no one was willing to pay for a thing does it immediately not have value of course not you know the the paradox is value. you know about the paradox of value right like adam smith wrote about that in the wealth of nations where you have water versus diamonds which of these two things is more valuable? Objectively, water is much more valuable than mm-hmm. diamonds are, but one is more costly by a pretty mm-hmm. wide margin. It just doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's like, and one could argue, it's like, oh yeah, well you have a large supply of water, so therefore it's well, more expensive or cheaper than diamonds. Well, it makes sense when uh, when you apply the labor theory of value, which both Adam Smith and Karl Marx believed in, and believing so, mm-hmm. like when you produce a, a good, um, the capitalist doesn't have a lot of control on the input cost. They don't really have a lot of control on how much it it costs to build the factory. They don't have a lot of uh, control over how much the machinery that goes into the factory costs. They don't have a lot of uh, uh, control in the cost of the uh, basic commodities like wood and steel and aluminum uh, to make the goods. The only place in Unless which the, the corner cap- market 
Yeah, well, let's let's leave that out of the picture. Yes, mm-hmm. if you have horizontal integration, yes. But like, let's just say you're <laughs> with that out of the out of. Let's not talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> that's a totally different thing. Okay, uh, the, the one thing that they have control over is the wages of which they pay their workers, and mm-hmm. so with all of these base costs put into it that they have to eat, they have to figure out, you know what uh, try to figure well you know they try to pay the workers as little as they can because that's where they can generate the most profit Mm -hmm. because that's the thing they can't control is the employee's wage yeah the the single most important from a an ethical standpoint um which i'm sure that there are a lot of ethical concerns in terms of sustainability and in you know environmental stewardship and um and just uh you know, ad- adhering to the tenets of not being a wasteful piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of how you treat your fellow human beings and uh, compensating them fairly for the labor that they're doing, it certainly ought to be the number one concern. Well, the thing is, though, the part that's fucked up and why we can't allow uh, moral ideas of, you know, paying people a fair wage to survive is that even if you as an individual capitalist were willing to pay your employees a fair wage to survive because you are a good person and you see the humanity in everyone, if the capitalist down the street who has the same exact kind of factory that you do isn't willing to pay their employees enough to survive and can undersell you in the market, you're going to go out of business and they're going to keep on being a capitalist with shittily paid workers. Yeah. Like, there's not even, like, a morality to it. It's just the system itself in which it's built. It's just a race to the bottom. Yeah, with the best-case scenario being, like, a Nestle or a Cargill or a, or a company in the antebellum south mm-hmm. uh, of the United States. Like, obviously, there's a lot of money to be made when you don't have to pay your workers anything. Exactly. And... And sometimes you even see capitalists doing things that seem like a good thing, but it's actually not. Uh, it <laughs> is so. For example, Amazon is uh, lobbying the United States government to increase the minimum wage to fifteen dollars an hour. Now well, they're not doing this out of the goodness of their heart. The reason why they're doing this is because they decided to self-choose to increase the wages of their employees to fifteen dollars an hour. And they want to be, in my analogy earlier, talking about the factory down the street that's not willing to pay their employees a living wage. They want to force everyone up to the same standard that they're at because they yeah. know other people can't compete with them. That's um, they, that's game theory 101, right? Like, if you're ahead, disrupt. Mm-hmm. And you can disrupt everybody pretty hard. And you can bleed everybody dry. I mean, that's that's a um, attrition. It's attrition, right? Like, if, if you're the last one standing in a capitalist marketplace then you win it all. <laughs> like yeah. all of the developments, all of the resources, they all go to you if you're the victor. And unless you do something just stupid, <laughs> yeah. which I mean, it has happened before, but that's not necessarily the saving grace of capitalism. <laughs> and then, you know, things can be upended at a moment's notice because people do stupid things. <laughs> be nice. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just, it's amazing just how much momentum you can gain in a system like that. Yeah, of just exponential exponential growth, you know. It just never stops. It just keeps going. Um, yeah, you know. A little bit here, a little bit there. 
if if you if you like look at the number of corporations we had in telecommunications or media or or pharmaceuticals or whatever 20 years ago to now i mean they've halved in the last 20 years like it's fucking crazy it's like it just keeps getting smaller and smaller yeah but the the overall value uh of those companies collectively has stayed the same or gone up right oh yeah Hmm. So they, yeah, they're they're different. Like the the sectors aren't getting smaller, but no, no, no. The hands, the, the no, exactly that that they belong to are fewer and fewer. Exactly. Yeah, or, it's fucking know, singular families in some instances. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's like discussing the uh, you know, like the the lineage of the czars of Russia in in the same sentence that we discussed, like the Sackler family. Yeah. They're modern aristocrats. Yeah. Neo-feudalism and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Fuck. So I was trying to think of a, a way the other day to, uh, you know, like constantly thinking about ways in which we can insulate ourselves from uh, the ills of some kind of apparently tragic worldwide event like let's say a pandemic or something like that (laughs) (laughs) too late dog the thing that's the boat (laughs) the thing that i always get caught up on uh well there's there's two things in particular so one uh the production of food is not necessarily difficult right like if you have like a uh you know bags of potatoes or even if you just have like a wooded expanse you know you could definitely live off of acreage uh, you could you could live off of of space, and it doesn't require like a whole whole bunch of space in order to feed, uh, you know, people in general, especially if they're using sustainable methods. Um, but the first problem that we encounter there is the ownership of land, right? Like if it's consolidated in the hands of a few people, especially housing development, and you have issues of gentrification that follow with the development of land and so on and so forth, that push people outside of the realm of being able to afford. Uh, any means to be able to produce that food, then that's right out. And in the other end of the spectrum, you have this like uh, this like forced labor, uh, where effectively, if you decide to maybe be homeless or nomadic, you're probably going to be oppressed by the militant establishment in some way or another. So if you could circumvent those two things, you're golden, Jimmy. You're good. You're right out of the system. You don't have to worry about being oppressed. You're all good. But I gotta be like a dirt farmer. It, yeah. You gotta be a dirt farmer. I don't, I don't really see do that. Well, otherwise you're gonna be benefiting off slave labor, man. And you don't want to be Zyklon B dudes. Uh, I get, I get what you're trying to say. Like, how can we? It's not a perfect analogy. Uh, to live in society without doing bad things, without consuming products that have been tainted by child labor and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyways, it's extremely yeah. difficult unless you're. You're effectively just like sustainable independently. Yeah, but then again, um, there's no way to break out of this uh, cycle of uh, capitalist uh, capitalist oligarchy unless you develop supply chains independently. Anyways, like otherwise, yeah. they can just bleed you dry based on your food supply chain. Yes. Yeah. No. Uh. No, it'd be incredibly difficult. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Well, especially with it, our generation of people, it's like 
how many folks do you know that have the ability to be able to grow their own food? Like if you had to like drop everything right now, and I know that you and I have it's like, winter. I would uh, die. I can't we, grow exactly. Food. That's 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 something right out of the gate, right? Like. What do you do if all of this shit breaks out in a time in which you're not able to grow anything? Or what if you don't have bread for the next day? That's always the thing. It's like, sure, you can put on a revolution one day, but unless you're able to eat the next day, revolution is done. You can't yep. do anything. Um, yeah. So you always got to have a contingency plan. And if you can't immediately say like, okay, revolution finished, logistics out of the way, everybody go to work in bakeries and make bread, then it's the yep. revolution's over. <laughs> like <laughs> everything goes back to normal. Um, and everybody's going to be out, you know, looking for work like they did in, in the uh, great depression, you know, like people knocking door to door, just like, do you have any money? You know, do you have any food? I'll work for anything. It's like, cause their supply chain was already disrupted to the degree that anyone that was living in a big city, you know, obviously didn't, there was no arable space. There's no ability for them to grow their own food or they didn't have the knowledge or they didn't have the property or so on and so forth. Right, right. It's tough. Yeah, I don't know. Um... Yeah, the answer in like with so many things in capitalism is to uh, to already have it. If you, uh, if you already have money, if you already have land, if you <laughs> already have food, you're good. <laughs> yeah. And if you don't, you're fucked. <laughs> like, you're going to oh, be fucked you until you kid. already have those things. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Um, yeah, no, I don't know. There's there's no there's no good consumption and to yeah, I mean no ethical the, consumption. To, mm -hmm. No ethical ethical consumption under capitalism and uh I mean it's pretty real, unrealistic at this point to think that you would be able to independently produce all the things that you needed on your own without uh engaging with the market um but see that's the thing and, you can engage in the market and still be ethical it just depends on yeah i think it just depends on you can know, you buy one, a computer no 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 it's, and that's what i'm saying it's like there would be a good many <laughs> things that you would simply just have to be exempt from if you wanted to become Amish, then you could do that. Well, even they, I think, do some things that are not kosher, or, you know, like, they're not perfect. Um, no, I'm just talking about from a non-consuming, from the market standpoint. Like, that's what you would be replicating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, pretty much some kind of, like, um, um, anarcho-communist, uh, or not anarcho-communist, uh, anarcho-primitivist kind of... Uh, well, they're not they're not anarcho, but they are primitivist. They're like Luddites. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, if that. Yeah, people want to do that. I'm not very interested. I like engaging with people with uh, with my uh, shitty sh shit that was made by shitty shit. Mm hmm. It's not. It's not in. I don't think it's outside of the the realm of reason to still develop technologies like computers or microphones or cell phones or so on and so forth without the use of slave labors uh, or without the use of exploitations. Mm -hmm. um, I think that the biggest concern after those things would have been exempt from uh, problematic status would be uh, 
the rate at which they were still consumed. And, you know, like you want to make sure that these are robust products that are able to oh, last yeah. from generation don't to have, generation. Don't have uh, designed obsolescence baked into them to break every two years. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you'd probably have beefier products. Like they, they would they would have to stand the test of time lest they be right. these wasteful consumables ultimately still leading to, uh, you know, global warming and all kinds of terrible uh, things caused by overconsumption. Yeah. Hmm. It's possible, right? I, I think uh, well, there there are a certain few uh, resources the the world over that become very difficult to to acquire. Um, and uh, in the instance that these places were allowed to um, divvy that out at at uh, in the way in which they saw fit. Uh, that would probably upend our, our economic systems altogether. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, all the all the, the cheap shit we get shipped from India and China and the Southeast Asia. I mean, yeah, that would stop. Yeah. Yeah, oil prices would, would go way up. Yeah, it'd be a lot more expensive, and we wouldn't be able to um, uh, afford it. Yeah. At the same time, yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. It'd yeah. be a, it'd be good though. It might might look more like uh, one computer per family instead of each individual within that family having one. I I grew up on that. I know what that's like. I yeah. I didn't have a computer until I was in high school. So like I I understand. Well well we had we had computers. We had Windows. We had Windows ninety eight on a desktop. Yeah, one of those big old boxy beige computers. Yeah. Um. But we, I guess we didn't have internet. That's what we didn't have. We didn't have internet until I was in high school, which is understandable, you know. Not aughts. <laughs> that was when it really got good anyways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I think that's a, that's about all I got to okay. say, Jimmy. <laughs> it's going to be an interesting podcast episode to edit. Yeah, kind of with... with uh, went in a different direction there. No, it's cool, man. It's good to talk about stuff you're thinking about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, I just, uh, yeah. I don't know. I was reading something earlier today that was basically just saying that, um, like it's silly to think that revolution will be possible in the United States as it currently is just with the um, massive amount of brute state force it has and lack of organized labor. And that basically, unfortunately probably have to wait until uh, this shitty hellscape country gets so mismanaged with it, trying to keep its hegemonic rule over uh, third world countries that it's kind of just like a, skeleton of its former self like it can't you know maintain at home and maintain all the shit it's doing abroad and that's when you'd be able to have like a like a a proper r revolution but um that's just one argument of many that people have made so i was like "Eh, i guess that's kind of compelling i think there's some truth to that um yeah yeah a a um a system that has all of its shit together and is able to defend itself from change um has the resiliency to to stay and anything otherwise of course is going to uh ebb and flow with uh, 
the will of any imposing forces around it. Yeah. Yeah, and, mm, and yeah. labor's been gutted for a long time, or organized labor's been gutted for a yeah. long time. And uh, if if it's difficult, if it's difficult to have a conversation, an average conversation, um, using a word like a union, like I can't yeah. even say union <laughs> in most of my social circles without somebody <laughs> getting visibly upset. You yeah. want good paid? <laughs> well, the, <laughs> well, it. It's just amazing, like what kind of you want to get paid for the work you do. Yeah, you can't you can't say that, and you certainly can't say something like like communism, uh, anarchism, Um, even liberal uh, is upsetting to a lot of people. (laughs) Which is just so sad. Yeah, (laughs) they're not even on our team. Yeah, (laughs) say it. I've definitely had some neoliberal people get upset at the idea of a liberal before. And I was yeah. like, "Hey, wait a wait a second! I'm, I'm I have to point out some things real quick." <laughs> That's because our country is like so brainwashed and shitty that like people associate the word liberal with far left when that couldn't be farther than the fucking truth. Mm-hmm. Like they're like a baby step less right wing than conservatives because I mean conservatives and liberals are both neoliberals. Just one has reactionary politics layered on top of it. And the other one has identity politics layered on top of it. That's the difference. The difference is the aesthetics. Mm. Mm. Hot take from Jimmy. I love it. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> oh, like, oh, thanks man. <laughs> I would um, like to take credit, but I'm just, I'm just reframing shit. Other people said, God, Damn it, Jimmy! I thought that was original. That was the thing that was going to take us to the tippy top. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I've ever heard anyone say it exactly like that. It was my synthesization of it. Well, that in the next episode, that's definitely going to be like last time on Cynic Empowerment. Oh, yeah. It's going to be right there. <laughs> All right, I like it. Fuck yeah! Hot, hot takes from Jimmy, everybody. Get it while you can. Takes are hot. Takes are hot. Get them uh-huh. while they're hot. Get them while they're hot. Um, in 10 years from now when the revolution's over and we all uh <laughs> we're gonna be exactly the same we're gonna have eye patches because in like the tv shows <laughs> people always got eye patches after the revolution <laughs> damn it do we wear eye patches because we're gonna look hard or do we wear eye patches because we all lose eyes <laughs> uh, no one knows oh no <laughs> probably because we lost eyes dude i don't think it's supposed to be just for looks yeah uh, the revolution will cost us much. Yeah. Well, our hair will be longer, and we'll have eye patches. Uh, no, I'm I'm trying to become a barber. I got. Oh yeah, you right. I got that lock. <laughs> yeah, we don't have to have long hair. You right. We can have long hair if you want long hair, man. We can do layers. No, no, I, I'm over long hair. I think I'm just gonna be buzz cut boy for the rest of my life. Oh yeah, you're like super short buzz cut boy. Yeah, the last time I had my hair this sh- short, all the kids at school asked me if I had cancer. So I have been I've been <laughs> refraining from having short hair for a long time. But I think now that I'm an adult, I can I can have short hair, and I don't think anyone's going to ask me if I have cancer. So it should be okay. Yeah, I like how you left your sideburns kind of long. That's cool. Oh, I trimmed them up some. I didn't want them quite that. I didn't want them quite like that. Darn, it was such a. Good it wasn't. Quote. It was an aesthetic choice. It was. It was. They didn't get cut for me. So, man, thank you. Uh, I, I think your uh, your friend there definitely has a, a career in barbering. She could. She could definitely. Uh, 
He's definitely chop it up. I'll pass the word along. <laughs> all right. On that note, if you all are interested in getting in contact with us, you can do so by emailing us at syndicatepowerment at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from there. You can also like us on Facebook at syndicatepowerment and send us a message. Or you can tweet at us on the Twitter at syndicatepower, me one. We would love to hear from you. It would mean a lot to us. And if you all are listening through any of the listening apps out there, please, for the love of God, please, for the love of God, please like and review the show. It means a lot to us and it helps other people find us. Yeah. Could help you find us like. Joseph Satcher in a 25 man orgy in the midst of a global pandemic. <laughs> yeah. I can't beat that. Do we oh, even mention oh. the fact that he busted he busted climbing out of a window? Wait, he busted climbing out of a window? <laughs> he was busted while climbing out of a window. Oh, he was trying to get away. He was trying to get away. He was trying to climb out of a window. <laughs> Butt ass naked. I fucking got him. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. Just imagining this naked dude with nothing but his socks on just trying to climb out a window. Nothing but his socks on? What the fuck? You're going you're gonna to be in an orgy and you're going to have your socks on? Yeah, I don't want my feet to get cold. <laughs> I'm I'm walking around in somebody else's house. What the hell? Like I'm not going to have an orgy <laughs> in my own house. I don't know what's on their floor. I'm going to wear my socks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know where their floor has been. Yeah, it's a floor of an orgy. You think I'm going to walk around barefoot? Gross. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else question, just the cleanliness of the floor. Yeah. <laughs> Just kind of hanging around, like you know, I don't even come here for the orgy. I'm I'm here for the the fucking drinks. Like they just 